and hi everybody. Welcome to episode two of the 2022 version of the IceCast Report. I'm Anthony, joined by Tim, and Tim, we have our first game under our belt. Uh, the Penguins are one and zero. It was an ugly win, but I guess at the end of the day, a win's a win. Uh, so YSU starts the 2022 season with a 31-14 win over the Duquesne Dukes on Saturday afternoon at Stanbaugh Stadium, and. You know, Tim, before we get into the game, let me say this. Uh, very pleasantly surprised with the crowd. I know YSU only announced about 9,800. But to me, it looked like a lot more than 9,800 in there. And that place was amped up. I haven't seen uh, that kind of, or felt, I should say, uh, that kind of emotion. There's a lot of emotion in that stadium. I, I made remarks at somebody next to me. There's a lot of emotion in the stadium. Um that was a pleasant sight to see, considering how the last two years have gone. Um, nothing really to get excited about, per se. Uh, a lot of different events in our area going on. And uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised by the crowd and the enthusiasm uh, to start the uh, season on Saturday afternoon at Stambaugh. Yeah, uh, I think that's, you know, it's kind of a, Renew the spirit type thing every mm -hmm. new year, every new season, and mm -hmm. uh, there's optimism, and we'll see. Yeah. You know, you have to capture your fans' imagination, mm -hmm. and you have to catch capture their passion. And the easiest way to do that, no matter how good or ugly it may look, is to win, and. Yeah. They did exactly that. They went out and won a game that they needed mm -hmm. to win to open up the season. It was a good challenge, and now they, you know, have week two in front of them. Yeah, let's, you know, Tim, before we get on to week two, let's go back and uh, recap YSU's 31-14 season opening win over Duquesne. Uh, to start the game, Tim, like I mentioned, a lot of emotion going on. Uh, Penguins just decided to defer to the second half, and Gabe Duquesne, the ball, putting their defense with all new assistant coaches on the defensive side of the ball on the field first. And uh, to be honest, it was an ugly first defensive series. Duquesne and uh, Roy went on the field with the East, converted a couple of third downs. And uh, I was really impressed with Duquesne's receiver, Abdul Donna. Uh, he's a player. He could play at a lot of bigger schools. And uh, Duquesne has themselves a really nice receiver. He had a good game against Florida State. Uh, showed that start against the Penguins. So Duquesne got on the board 7-0 early on a nice long touchdown pass from Joe Mishler. Um, and then you're thinking, oh boy, you know, all that enthusiasm, all that energy has kind of been uh, subsided in. You know, it's exactly what a underdog Duquesne team wanted to do, take the crowd out of it early. Uh, ensuing kickoff, the Penguins fumbled it, I thought, and uh, the referees gave us the benefit of the doubt saying, that the ball went through the end zone for a touchback and said it could have been first and goal to Duquesne at the one-yard line again before we even got our hands on the ball. And then it could have gotten really ugly. You're sitting back thinking, oh boy. But, uh, you know, let's get to our keys of the game, Tim. Uh, one of my keys to the game, and I think it's going to be a key to the game for every football game we have this year is Joe uh, Julio McLaughlin over 200 yards all-purpose. Running, passing, um, kickoff return, punt return. Penguins didn't use him on any of those, which is understandable and fine. 
Uh, Jaleel had 20 carries, Tim, for 203 yards. Uh, he had a couple receptions for, I think, nine yards. Uh, he And the fourth quarter, when you need your playmaker, you need your stars to make plays. Uh, number eight again, six carries, 88 yards, for an average of 14.6 yards per touch. Uh, that was capped off by a 54-yard touchdown run when it was still a 17-14 game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I also touched on that Demetri Crenshaw needed to stretch the ball down the field. Um, I wanted to see eight to ten yards per attempt. Penguins didn't get their team; they only got to five point three, but um, they they had eleven yards per completion. So that's an improvement over last year. Uh, but fourteen of twenty-nine for one fifty-three—that's that's below fifty percent. And you know as well as I do, you have to complete much higher than sub-50% in this conference if you want to win football games. Um, so uh, I really liked how we ran the ball. Uh, I, I loved how we rotated our backs with uh, Jaleel and Dre Rushton finally getting touches. Uh, they stand out from Liberty Tim. Uh, you and I have covered him for a couple of years now, and you had made mention a couple of years ago, this kid's a player, you need to get him on the field. Well, we finally got him on the field, and I think the reason why Jaleel McLaughlin was able to go six carries, 388 yards in a season opener in 90-degree heat was because we rotated our backs well and uh, spelled him nicely. Um, so I was, I was very happy running the ball, um, I was really impressed with receivers, Tim. I thought our receivers looked more athletic. I thought they looked quicker. Um, all, all, all preseason camp, uh, Max Tomzak had a really nice camp. Uh, they were high on him, and in fact, they gave him a scholarship the last week of camp going into the Duquesne game, and uh, he had a really nice game. Since at least he caught a couple passes for. Uh, 50 yards. He went. Uh, if I can get my stats up here, if my computer's not not working properly, um, you know, uh, Bryce Oliver made a couple nice catches. Um, so the Penguins spread the uh, spread the ball around. Tom Zach with two catches, 56 yards, along a 41. That's a nice game. It is for a former walk-on uh, slot receiver kind of guy. Tim, you know, uh, in any level of football, if you have a a, a good slot receiver to complement your number one, our number one, Bryce Lauber. He had a great game. Six catches, 58 yards, along the 24 yards. Um, really athletic. I mean, just quick, crisp route running. Um, so I was really impressed with that. Uh, Penguins spread the ball around. One, two, three, four, seven different, six different guys caught a pass. Um, one to the tight end track from Michigan State, Trenton Gillison. He caught a pass for 12 yards. Um, so the 14 completions were spread out. we got to have a little bit more if we want to throw the ball 29 times. I like 29 pass attempts, Tim. I do. I I really like 29 pass attempts. Um, and I, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they look terrible. They, you know, they looked off when I'm like, yeah, they didn't play very good. It, you know, but it's a season opener against a Duquesne team that you and I talked about, Tim, that had a game under the belt coming in. They went seven and three last year, so 
you know, the whole mindset of, oh, we got to blow them out. Well, Penguins won by 17 points. And the thing that you and I have talked about so many times, and I can go back to every podcast we recorded after the uh, COVID year games, was finish in the fourth quarter. We talked about one of my keys was you got to win the fourth quarter. We blew three double-digit fourth quarter leads last year. I touched on that in the uh, later portion of our first episode. Penguins were up 17-14. Duquesne had made it a game. And they outscored them 14 nothing, and really put the clamps on them. Um, you know, they allowed 274 yards for the air, Tim. But I was happy with how YSU finished. It's, you know, it was ugly. It was disjointed. But like we talked about, it was only the opener. And you'd rather be nitpicking after a 17-point season opening win than nitpicking after a loss. Um so those are my thoughts, Tim. Uh, overall, happy. Um, you know, we can get into the negatives later, but you know, I really don't want to dwell on those too much considering we're a program that needs to learn how to win. We found a way to win on Saturday afternoon. I think your last statement right there it says everything you need to say. Uh, this team had its roller coaster mm-hmm. day. Like you said, got behind early, but were able to mm-hmm. secure a lead in the fourth quarter, put a lead away, and win a ball game. They found a way to win. That yep. that is the first step of becoming a winning program. You have to exactly a right. b- win ball games that you believe you should, and mm-hmm. two, you have to be able to, as you mentioned, win the fourth quarter in close ball mm-hmm. games. Seventeen uh, fourteen is yep. a close ball game, and. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing about McLaughlin we know about and we've seen over the last, uh, well, third season now, is that mm-hmm. anytime he touches the ball, he is a threat to take it the distance. And in the fourth quarter, he did that. And that is the type of runner that he is, and they need to feature that. They need to find a way to get him the ball in the fourth quarter. And they did. So mm-hmm. that was very encouraging. And like you mentioned earlier, they were able to uh, rotate. Keep them, keep them fresh, mm-hmm. and quite honest with you, they have another back in Rushton and can do the exact same thing. Yes. Anytime mm-hmm. he touches the ball, he has the potential to go to the house. So they have some playmakers. Uh, we could talk about the quarterback in Crenshaw not necessarily having his best game, but they found a way to win. And exactly. that is important. Now, his growth throughout this season will determine probably how successful you will be long-term because you need a quarterback in this league and you need a quarterback at any level of football Mm -hmm. that is consistent, that grows, and that can compete in every game. Uh, When the pass game is taken away from you or it's indecisive, Mm-hmm. That's when a quarterback, you know, loses kind of its confidence, no matter who it is. So they're going to have to find his strengths, mm-hmm. accentuate them early in the ball game, and build his character throughout a game. And I think that will be key going forward. But there was parts of that in that game one. So again, hats off to getting the W at home, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that's exactly what you needed to do. So. You just move on yeah, from me, there. Let me touch on a demetric contract a little bit more, Tim. You know, last year uh, we had taught, and it's for a full season as a starter, we had talked about they need to design the game plan 
around his skill set. And his skill set, as we've talked about, he's a dynamic runner. He was one of the top 20 rushers in all of the FCS last year. We know he can run well. We know he can make plays with his feet. Uh, but the thing that I liked, and it might not have showed all the time in Saturday's game, but the Penguins got Crenshaw on the roll, on the, you know, on the perimeter to throw the ball. Now, did he complete all of them? No. He's obviously only 14 of 29. But he had a long of 41 yards. And I'm not sure he completed a pass of 41 yards last year. That's a step in the right direction. To me, that's a step in the right direction. I like how we're getting him on the outside of the pocket. When your offensive line is still a work in progress, we're bigger, we still need to gel, we still need to get better uh, technique-wise. Um, so get an athlete on the perimeter, let him make play with his legs or his arm. And, you know, honestly, going back and rewatching the game, Tim, a lot of his mistakes are correctable. They're easy mistakes. You know, I counted four or five passes um, that Crenshaw had where if he had just set his feet, he completes, if not all of those, 90% of those. And instead of 14 of 29, you're sitting back going, hey, he was 19 of 29, 20 of 29 for 200, and maybe a score or so. Um, so while the numbers don't look great, a deeper dive into them says, hey, these mistakes are really correctable. Um, and they're not glaring. You can't fix it. It's a, in my opinion, I think it's a quick fix to trust your pocket, trust your receivers, set your feet. Um, you know, another thing that I really like him is we gave up 200 yards a game on the ground last year. Simply put, that's unacceptable. That's awful. I don't need to say anything else about it. That's that's simply embarrassing for a program, a program that uh, prides itself on being gritty and tough. And the thing that I really like, Duquesne ran the ball 25 times for 67 yards. The leading rusher and All-American tailback Billy Lucas from a year ago, 13 carries, 37 yards, an average of 2.6. That is really impressive. When you shut down the run, you make a team one-dimensional. Penguins' pass rush is not very good, and uh, we can talk about that as the year goes on. But we talked about Tim, Doug Phillips talked about Jamal Brown, the defensive coordinator talked about stop the run. You have to stop the run, especially in this conference when we know the top-tier teams love to run the ball and run it again some more. Uh, another thing that I really like, Three interceptions, Tim. Anytime you win a turnover battle, you have three interceptions. But three came by the linebackers. And you touched on a couple times last podcast. The linebackers were okay last year. They weren't great. Linebackers Saturday were really good. And a key reason why YSU won that football game. So uh, I know there are some negatives. I, I've heard a lot of them from people. Um, but... You won by 17 points in a season opener against a team that midway through the first quarter Saturday, last Saturday, was only down 7 nothing to Florida State. Florida State after Saturday night's 2-0 and probably going to be ranked soon, Tim. So uh, 
I'm happy. I, it's one and zero. That's exactly. We it. can sit here. We can sit here and talk about negatives, but really, Tim, when you're trying to figure out a way to win and become a successful program, a win's a win, and you don't apologize for it. No, you, don't you move for on. It. You, you know exactly. Yeah, I remember, uh, it was a good win, Anthony. It was a great yeah. win in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but it is last week's news. They have a new mm-hmm. opponent this week, and yes, that's we really what, what right now our focus needs to be on. Yeah, Tim, you mentioned that. Uh, YSU will return home again this week to Stanbaugh Stadium uh, to host the Dayton Flyers for only a second time in program history. Uh, the only meeting between these two programs came way back on August 29, 2013 at Stanbaugh Stadium under then-head coach Eric Wolford. YSU pulled away late for a 28-10 win over the Flyers. Um, so not a, a, a lot of familiarity between the programs. Uh, Dayton's coach has been there for over 35 years as a player and assistant and now head coach. Uh, he just picked up his 100th win on Saturday in a 22-20 win over Robert Morris in a game that uh, Duquesne led 16-6. to Robert Morris came back. And the Flyers held on for a 22-20 win. You know, Tim, diving into Robert, or excuse me, diving into uh, Dayton a little bit, um, it's going to be a completely different test and uh, test uh, schematically and athleticism-wise than uh, Duquesne. But Duquesne's a better football team than Dayton. Um, but Dayton likes to run the ball, and Dayton has a. Uh, dual threat quarterback in Dante Casacool. I hope I pronounced that name correct. Um, he led the Flyers through the air and on the ground. So obviously the offense runs through him, Tim. Yeah, uh, well, he, and that's not unusual for a lot of teams. The offense, no. You know, I talk about this all the time. Your quarterback is your general on the offense mm-hmm. and your team leader. That position demands a a high level play. It doesn't matter what skill sets they have. They have to be, in a sense, proficient at whatever they do best. And here's, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, a dual threat. That means he can run. It means he can get out of the pocket and make a play. And it also means that he can probably find receivers downfield. So that's really Mm going to be the most interesting thing for me, Anthony, is defensively our D-backs hanging Mm -hmm. with the receivers, really closing gaps when he does elude the rush and moves out Mm -hmm. into the pocket when he's looking downfield, is he still be able to find a receiver or is he going to have to be forced into a one-dimensional quarterback of a runner? Yeah, Dayton loves to run the ball, Tim. They ran 44 times for 266 yards. Uh, Jake Chisholm uh, was their second leading rusher, 22 attempts for 81 yards. Um, they love to run the ball. They love to run the ball, and they love to stop the run. Robert Morris only had 52 yards on 25 attempts. We all know why if he's bread and butter. He has run it, run it again, and run it some more. Um, Flyers gave up nearly 300 yards through the air. YSU's not going to throw very much. We know. YSU wants to ground and pound. Date wants to ground and pound you. So, Jim, as I look at this game on paper, and I think – You'd agree with me, too. The team that asserts itself up front uh, on the offensive line is going to win the football game. Yeah, there's no question. The one who controls that that 
the scrimmage line will make the difference. I don't care if you're on defense or offense. Uh, the one who's making those plays the most is going to have the advantage in a game like this. And if both teams are successful, meaning running the ball what they want to do, then mm-hmm. you're looking at a very quick game here. Uh, maybe two and a half I was hours. I was thinking that. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And if you're making Dayton throw the ball more than they want, that mm-hmm. means that that chances are they're behind by double digits and yeah. they have to abandon the run to exactly. um, to compete in the game. So that's going to be the key for me, Anthony, is can YSU get out to a lead uh, in the second quarter or early in the third mm-hmm. quarter where it is more than a touchdown and that will force Dayton to abandon their basics of their game plan to go to to plan B and maybe become more of a 60% wanting to throw Mm -hmm. the ball versus 60% running the ball or even 70% running the ball. I think that will be a big key in the ball game. Yeah, I agree. You know, obviously uh, Dayton ran the ball 44 times compared to 19 pass attempts. So uh, yeah, exactly. You double it up. Uh, your rush to pass attempts. And this is going to be like watching Army Navy. This game's going to be over two, two and a half hours. And uh, we should be out of there by 4.30 and be home uh, compared to Saturday's game where it went three, uh, three and a half hours because Dayton wanted to throw the ball a lot. We threw the ball a lot. Um, yeah, the only thing you know, that can slow this game down is penalties. Exactly. And, uh, I, I thought Wyatt did a good job um, penalty-wise uh, First games can be always really ugly, Tim, with the false start on the offside. And, you know, just the technicality, the holding and pass interference, you know, we got a couple of those, but nothing drastic. Um, you had made mention last week, Tim, uh, 28-21, you predicted the Penguins to beat Duquesne. Um, and it it was looking like for a while there, it looked like it was going to be a 28-21 Penguin win, but... I went 41-24 to 17-point spread. I got the 17-point spread. Uh, was it a little tighter than I would have wanted? Absolutely. It was uh, nail-biting time come fourth quarter. Um, you know, just looking at Dayton again real quick, Tim, they had six guys carry the football for them on Saturday. That means they're rotating back. They're keeping their guys fresh come the fourth quarter. Now, granted, uh, Chisholm and Castrola ran the ball 35 of their 44 attempts, but still, they're getting fresh bodies in there. And again, we know Doug Phillips has preached we got to have depth, depth, depth. It's going to be another hot one on Saturday. Came with the Ice Castle. It's going to feel up in the 80s again on Saturday afternoon. So, we're going to have to utilize our depth and uh, keep these guys off the field because they can obviously run the ball very well. Um, what are your keys to the game? Let's go to your keys to the game first. Or well, I think the key to the game, game is on the defensive side of the ball in the sense mm-hmm. that they're going to have to try to get as many three and outs as possible to eliminate mm-hmm. the run game here. If on first down, if they're giving up three to five yards on first down, then it could be a long night for for the Penguins. And mm-hmm. that would be a, a disappointing scenario. So first down, uh, keeping them under three yards on first down will be huge. And then I think another key will be what I mentioned earlier is the defensive backs staying with the receivers when plays break down 
and mm -hmm. making sure that they close those gaps so when they do have to get him out into spaces and make decisions run throw that it becomes just really one decision of running where they can concentrate on taking down the quarterback as a runner versus defending him as a passer. Yeah, I really like that, Tim. I think it's, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that uh, you and I are thinking the same thing. You've got to stop this team's running game. Uh, my keys to the game quickly, we got to get bait in third and long situations. Make them throw the football. He only threw the ball 87 yards against Robert Morris. Make Dayton throw the football. Stop the run up front. It's going to be a lot tougher than it was last week. Hamlin did a hell of a job last week against Duquesne. Uh, stop the run. Force Dayton in the third and long. And then similarly, on our side, when we have the ball, give Demiatric Crenshaw easy, manageable throwing situations where he can get into a rhythm. I think it's so paramount uh, for Crenshaw in the year and game we've seen him as a starting quarterback. He's no. a rhythm passer. Oh, there's no question about that. And, you He's know, some, some, some easy uh, rollouts mm -hmm. left and right, Seven maybe even yards. naked yep. bootleg type scenario yep. where the, the tight end is on the side where he's going rolling to and just an easy mm -hmm. dump off or a wing uh, scenario yep. would be a, in, a, in the slot would make a lot of sense. Just as you mentioned, to get some confidence early, I think that's going to be key to his passing game and not make him a drop back passer right away. No. Uh, no. I think that's where he has trouble finding uh, making decisions on where to go with mm -hmm. the ball. So my opinion is get them out of more one-on-one -on -one scenarios and, and try to get the ball out of his hands, maybe within two, two and a half seconds from the snap of the ball, not necessarily uh, three, four seconds where you're back in the pocket trying to get a player downfield and delivering. You need to be able to do that, and I'm sure he will be able to deliver that as the season progresses, but uh, getting him some rhythm will be huge on the passing side. And all, quite honestly, with, with his skill set, to get him mm -hmm. out in, in open spaces making decisions and hopefully making quality decisions of when to run and when to throw will be an advantage for the offense. Tim, here's a real quick stat uh, that I just looked up before we go to our uh, game predictions. We touched on Dayton ran the ball for 266 yards on Saturday and 22-20 win over Robert Morris. They only had the ball for 30 minutes and 39 seconds. I say only because when you run the ball for 266 yards, you would think you're going to control the clock a lot more than that. They had some big runs. A big part of, a big part of why they didn't have more time possession, Dayton on third and fourth down conversions combined, just one of 14. Wow. Like I said, it goes right into forcing them into third and long. Yes. Third and six or longer, I think, really gets them uncomfortable. It it uh, forces YSU to pin their ears back. And Third down and long is huge, and the way you yeah. get that is to stop them on first down. Exactly. It's almost, Tim, like you're taking a Navy or Army-style approach where you've got to win first down. You got yeah. to stop them for a loss line of scrimmage. You got to set them behind the chains. Once they get behind the sticks, 
it's tough with this offense to um, catch up and convert third downs. Um, so I just thought that was a quick stat, right? No, know, that's a huge stat. Right that's a, that's a really interesting stat. So recapping your thing, again, like I am, win up front, get crunch on rhythm. What is your prediction, Tim? Are you going to predict the Penguins put a two and zero on Saturday? I got to go with the Gwins, uh, flying high at the Ice Castle. Mm-hmm. Let's go with a conservative game, twenty four fourteen. Twenty four fourteen YSU. Yes, sir. So Tim has YSU going twenty four to fourteen, starting the season two and zero. Tim, I might be having my red and white goggles on here, uh, but I'm feeling good. I'm. I think we're going to take a next step offensively and defensively. Um, we might get caught in the first half looking ahead to Kentucky. Um, give me YSU 47, Dayton 13. I think YSU is going to come out, establish themselves on the ground, establish themselves up front on the defensive line. Uh, Jamal Brown said he likes to stop run. He prides himself in that. Penguins did that against Duquesne. I think they're going to make that their focus this week. I don't think Dayton has the athletes like uh, Duquesne did and Jana to threaten the Penguins on the outside. So I like a comfortable YSU win on Saturday afternoon to get us to 2-0. All right. There we go. So for Tim, so for Tim, I am Anthony. You have listened to Episode 2 of the Ice Castle Report. Tim and I will be back next week to recap YSU's final home non-conference game of the year against Dayton and preview the big one against Southeastern Conference foe Kentucky. So until next week, I'm Anthony, joined by Tim, and as always, go Gwens.